You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. What is going on, 12s, and welcome to another edition of Seahawks Insiders. I'm Jackie Montgomery here with Jen Mueller, and I am filling in for John Boyle. Our friend is gone right now on paternity leave as him and his wife await the arrival of their third child. Congratulations to John and Lindsay. So today you got JM Squared, two ladies coming at you. I never thought of the fact that it was JM squared. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. You know, fun fact. But here's an extra fun fact on that one. So I clipped out of the newspaper several years ago. This was when I was in high school, I think. There was a little blurb in the Houston Chronicle. And it wasn't much. It was like three sentences. And it said, if you want your child to be a broadcaster... It starts with the initials JM, oh. and they listed <laughs> off like four famous broadcasters that have the initials wow. of JM, including like John Madden. And so I clipped it out, and I wrote my own name in after it, and I still have it on my bulletin board at home. Visu- visual Visualization at its finest right there. You, there. Go. you manifested it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jen, as we jump into things this week... You know, last week you said there was a bit of excitement and added energy around this building coming off of that great defensive performance against the 49ers. Now, this week coming off the loss to the Bills, I'm not going to say that same energy is there. Maybe a little bit of frustration. They were hoping to build off that pass rush that they saw. Granted, they did have some good pass rush here against the Bills, but that 44-34 to loss, what did you see in that game? I saw a lot of things not going according to plan, <laughs> right? And, and I think yeah. we all saw that. But I, I think it's a lot of frustration this week because they knew that they were set up to do good things. Yeah. You know, you knew that they were coming off a game where they were hoping to ride that momentum. You know, the, the offense has always been clicking, but the defense thought it had turned the corner. And then from the get-go in Buffalo, it just didn't look quite right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I asked Bobby Wagner this week how much of that is – because it is hard to come up with energy at the beginning of a game when there are no fans in the stands. And he said, look, it's not an excuse. We played without fans all year. But, Jackie, you know what this team looks like when they are fired up, when they are energetic. And I don't think it is any coincidence that in the primetime games that the Seahawks played, they had zero problem creating that energy, even without fans in the stands. And now you've had two regular starts. Yeah. And an even earlier start last week in Buffalo, and man, it is tough to bring in that energy in an empty stadium. So I, I think that, you know, from the get-go, it, it was tough. It, it's tough when you start in bad field position, and then you're playing catch-up, and that's not a great position to be in, and so frustration on both sides of the ball. And I would say perhaps it's uh, an extra motivator this week for the <laughs> team, right? There's so. a little bit of anger to go with that yeah. frustration, there's an extra little bit of motivation there. Yes, I sure hope hope that there is some motivation. And, you know, when you say that, the Seahawks have a fantastic record coming off a loss. Obviously, you don't want to, you know, be in that position where you're having to play coming off of a loss. But when playing after a loss, Russell Wilson and this team has an NFL best record of 32 and 8. I should I should preface 32 and 8, or best record since the NFL merger back in 1970. But still, still, it's good. 
So hopefully there's a little, you know, that helps feed into this motivation. Well, and we saw Russell do it after the loss against Arizona, yes. right? And they are able to bounce back, and they bounce back in a big way against San Francisco. Now, a few different reasons for that. San Francisco, a much different team this year with injuries, much different than what they'd faced against Arizona. But I do think there's something to be said for the mentality of Russell Wilson, yeah. who's leading the offense, and his ability to flush things and move on. And I think that this team does go out and make adjustments and it is an entire mindset that we're not going to let this linger and we're going to turn the page and we're going to move on and you start from square one every week. So we will see if they can do that again. Certainly there's a lot on the line. It is not just about maintaining their lead in the division, but at this point, if you allow the Rams to win and if Arizona happens to beat Buffalo, now you're looking at a three-way tie at the top of the standings, and you certainly don't want that. So yes. you need to find a way to maintain that lead. Yes, so let's kind of get into this week. You mentioned the Rams. Um, with the Rams, they had their bye week last week, and they if you can win a bye week, they certainly Absolutely won the bye week with every did. other team in the NFC West losing. So like you said, if they win this week, if the Cardinals win this week, it is suddenly a three-way tied there in the NFC West. And so looking at this team, what challenges do the Rams present? Because they're looking really good. The number two defense in the league, number six offense. So they're firing on all cylinders. And so a lot of challenges to be had with this team. Well, I think the very first one is Aaron Donald. (laughs) (laughs) You just look at Aaron Donald and it's like, man, is he still there? Is he still playing at the same level? And the answer to that question is yes. And what he is able to do from an interior position is amazing. And what he's been able to do against Russell Wilson and against this Seahawks team is unbelievable. In 12 career games played against the Seahawks, 33 quarterback hits, 12 sacks, 19 tackles for (laughs) loss. He is a one-man wrecking crew. And he's once again at the top of the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. And he has been double teamed more than any other player in the game. So, he would be the very first thing that I would look at as being a huge challenge. And, you know, the Seahawks, when you take a look at that matchup on the other side, they allowed Russ to get hit last week. They had a hard time in pass pro. And I will be curious to see what adjustments they have made after last week's game against Buffalo. Arizona gave Buffalo and all the other teams a blueprint to follow with the way they sent those blitz packages and how they saw the Seahawks pick them up or not pick them up in Arizona and so something's going to have to be changed this week because the, the secret's out on that one. Aaron Donald, he's like a fine wine. He just keeps getting better and better every year. I do like my wine. I know you do. That's why the, I threw it out there for he's you. He's not the wine that I want, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> just like I appreciate it. I look at him a little bit better now, you know, like, but I, <laughs> that's a wine I'd like to keep in the bottle for a little bit longer <laughs> and just not even deal with. One of those you just stick at the back. That's right. Can I just forget about that one for a while? (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Well, before we get into Aaron Donald and some of these key matchups, let's talk about how they can, you know, the other side of the ball for the Seahawks and how they can kind of get things fixed on defense. You know, we talk about how their record coming off of the coming off of losses. And so also kind of playing into that this extra this week that they have. You have to think it has to be a good sign for the defense. They get an extra week with Carlos Dunlap, who last week he had his first practice on a Wednesday. Four days later, he was suiting up and starting his first game for a new team, his first new team since being drafted 11 years prior. So how does that, um, this extra week kind of help 
this defense get settled in? Because, I mean, Jamal Adams, obviously, he's not new, but being out for so long, this is a good week, I would assume, for him as well. Well, it is about communication. Look, I, I don't think that you can look at the Seahawks' defense and say they lack talent. Right? There have been some years where you've looked at the defense and for injuries or whatever reason, you said, man, they are trying to get a lot done with some pieces that you really wish you could upgrade. I don't think that you're saying that this year. You've got some very talented pieces across the board, and I think it comes down to communication. For as much as the defense is line up and go after the ball or go after the runner or go after the quarterback, there's a ton of communication there, both up front and in the secondary. And we heard Carlos Dunlap tell the story of how, (laughs) you know, KJ's calling a play and and his old defense in Cincinnati – it was his job to respond <laughs> and go after him. But what KJ was talking to was the nose, nose tackle. tackle and, yeah. and Carlos ended up making the play. But anytime you are a pass rusher, you have to understand which lane you're going in and which move you're using to set up everything else later in the game. That does not happen without communication, right? And that's communication between him, it's LJ Collier, it's Jaron Reed, but it's also Jamal Adams with as many times as they're bringing him on the blitz. So it is important for those guys to be out there. And in the secondary, again, I know that you don't have 100% health across the board, We don't know what it's going to look like on Sunday. They have already used six different starting um, setups back there in the secondary. You could be looking at a seventh, right, this week. But I don't think the players that have stepped in lack talent. Look at Ryan Neal, right? We've seen him at safety. You could see him at corner. But there's certainly a communication issue. And I was looking up some numbers. You know, through the first half of games, the Seahawks defense have allowed – a total of 111 points. First two quarters of games, a total of 111 points. In the fourth quarter of games, they are giving up 100 points, right? That's combined. That's through all games. But the fact that it's happening late in games, I don't know that conditioning, I I don't know that I would go so far as to say conditioning, and some of that is scheme, right? Russell Wilson gets the team out ahead. You're willing to play some soft zone, give up some yards, and as a result, you've given up some points. But it's not saying that you are consistently bad throughout all phases of the game. So back to your original question. Yes, it helps. (laughs) It's going to help them tighten some stuff up because I do think once you figure out some communication issues, uh, I think that you're going to see a marked improvement. So interesting how things have flipped. You know, I feel like last year and years prior, people were like, the Seahawks are off to this slow start, and then they always finish so strong in the fourth quarter, and now we're getting to see that strong start in the first and second quarter, and then because they're so far ahead, they start to loosen up a little bit. So I've had that same thought all week, Jackie, and I thought, where were these folks a couple of years ago? <laughs> like, which would you rather have, right? Because the last few years we've talked about, man, Defense is really having to work hard through the first half because the offense isn't getting going until the third and the fourth quarter. And this year, you're flipping it around. Offense is going in the first and second quarter. And now the defense is being put in the same position, right, in in a position of, man, now you have to come through. And I don't know that it's going to make anybody any happier, (laughs) but I do feel like we're having the reverse of this. And I would say this. Look, last week's game was the most bizarre game I have ever covered When you look at the numbers compared to the eye test, you can look at those defensive numbers and say, man, they played well in some areas. The pass rush really got going, right? there's, There's reason to think that there's some good stuff going on. But if you start watching that game, it doesn't pass the eye test from 
from the opening drive, right? And then you go back and you look at the numbers, and the Seahawks' defense was forced to defend a short field more than they have had to do that all season long. Opponent starting position last week with the Bills, they had the best starting position yeah. of any opponent. You do that to any defense multiple times during the course of the game, and it's going to put pressure on them. So um, I, I know that there's a lot of consternation, and there are definitely things that need to be fixed. But let's make sure that you're looking at kind of the entire thing and where some of those short fields came from and the fact that the offense needs to do their part in staying on the field and keeping control of the ball. Yes, keeping control of the ball. All right, well, let's get back to the, the game we have this week, the matchup we have this week, the L.A. Rams. They're a really good team, and Pete Carroll had this to say about our upcoming opponent. The Rams look like a really good football team to us in all ways. They're a complete team. Uh, Sean's done a great job with these guys. They're balanced. They can run it. They throw it. They're playing really good defense. Their special teams are solid. They're, they, they're a very good club. And so uh, the fact they're in the division and all that, we know them. We see them. We've, we've been against them for years. All right, well, you already touched on Aaron Donald, so let's go to the flip side. Let's talk about their offense, quarterback Jared Goff versus our Seahawks defense. Jared, he has had an interesting season this year. When he's playing well, he's really playing well. But when defenses are getting after him and putting pressure on him, then he's not looking too good. And, I mean, I think you can say that for pretty much any quarterback in the league, but it's pretty apparent here. That being said, his offensive line is really good. Yes. So they've only allowed 10 sacks to them to him. And so which Jared Goff do you think we're going to see this week? I mean, I think we say, said that about Josh Allen mm -hmm. last week as well. But which Jared Goff do you think we will get this week? You know, I, given how fired up this defense is <laughs> and everything you just pointed out about the extra week, you know, I, I would like to think that the Seahawks defense can affect him. And – the difference between Jared Goff and Josh Allen is, you know, Goff is not nearly as mobile as Josh yeah. Allen. For being as big as he was, Josh Allen can move and he can escape. Now, the scheme that they use and the options that they give Goff give him the ability to move around. He's only been sacked 10 times. Now, he's been affected more than that, but they do have this short passing, this short screen game that gives him some options where he doesn't have to throw it downfield to get out of a jam, right? And so I think that's going to be part of it. And Bobby this week talked about it is a, it is a game about eye discipline. Yes. Right, And you need to make sure that you are following that motion. Sean McVay has drawn up a lot of stuff. It looks like a lot, but if you go back to the principles, that's where you're going to find success. So I would think that the defense is going to get after him and that he's going to be affected, but actually getting to him, I don't know that that's going to happen. The Seahawks didn't get to him in either game yeah. last year. They, they didn't get a sack of Jared Goff, and, and you're thinking, man, I know that that offensive line, I mean, it's good, but it's not the best in the league, and yet um, they've got enough going where they, they will. And the other thing about that offense is they're going to run you sideline to sideline, right? And so you have to be prepared to get all the way out there, and that can be very taxing on a defense if you're running sideline to sideline in yeah. addition to trying to cover north-south down the field. Well, I'm sure the Seahawks would like to continue that pressure that they've had in the last two weeks. Going in the first six games of the season, the Seahawks had nine sacks in the last two. They've had 12. So hopefully, am my numbers right? No. Yes. Okay. I ho So hopefully this uh, that keeps uh, 
moving here going forward. All right, so you mentioned Sean McVay and the scheme that he draws up. I mean, he runs a lot of the same personnel groups, whether it's 11 personnel or 12 personnel, but he's they're doing all sorts mm -hmm. of different things. And he has the pieces, really, that he can do whatever he wants. I mean, whether you're looking at this receiving core, I mean, yes, everyone looks at Cooper Cup or Robert Woods because they're standing out with, like, the receptions and the yardage. But there's three other guys. They have five players total that have over 228 receiving yards be each for those at least five, you know, or more. So there's a lot of guys there that they can do work with, plus when you look at their running game. Yeah, and their running game, and that's what I was just looking at. Their stats in the run game, look, we know what that running game looks like with Todd Gurley. And while Gurley is no longer with them, they have still managed to put together a really nice rushing attack. And what I was looking at here is rushing attempts. They rank among the top in the NFL when it comes to rushing attempts. And their rushing yards, they are one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in rushing yards. And they're averaging four and a half-ish yards per carry on that one. So it's certainly a big part of their game. And the Seahawks defense has allowed five of their eight opponents to less than 100 yards rushing. And we saw what happened when Buffalo went away from that completely. Um, I will be curious to see what the split is for the Rams. Because it makes sense if you look at the way the secondary is playing and the number of passing yards they're giving up, it would make sense that you would test them in the passing game. And then you go and you look, a lot of the, a lot of the passes for the Rams, it's short yardage and it, it's crossing plays and they're getting a lot of yards after the catch, but we're not throwing 53 yards downfield trying to beat a safety or trying to beat a corner, right? And so I don't know what's going to happen as far as their split between run and pass, but they have certainly been able to mimic everything that they got out of Todd Gurley with the running backs that they currently have. Well, and with that being said, Pete Carroll had this to say with no Todd Gurley, what they're able to do with their running game. They've stayed philosophically the same. Um, you know, when Gurley was really hot, he was hot in every phase of the game. You know, uh, he was a big-time receiver and big-time guy in the screens and, and as well as all the runs. Um, such an effective player. It, it, he... he it takes a couple of guys to, to really fill his shoes, and they found it. You know, they're, both guys are averaging around four and a half yards of carry. They're very consistent. They both catch the football. Um, so they've, you know, and, and, and the rookie's good too, you know, so they've got a great, a great trio of guys to go to. Um, style seems the same. You know, hopefully we can keep them from being as effective as Gurley was against us at times. All right, well, they do have a three-headed monster in the second-year player, Daryl Henderson, veteran Malcolm Brown, and then that rookie, Cam Akers, who, even though his numbers aren't there, he's still definitely contributing in that run game. All right, so our last matchup that I want to get to, and you already touched on it earlier, but he is such a big factor in this game. I feel like we have to come back to him. Aaron Donald going up against Russell Wilson. And I'm just going to say Aaron Donald and Russell Wilson because that's, that's definitely a matchup to look at. It is. And we know that that offensive line has been beat up a little bit. And so there's a little bit of a question mark as to what we're going to see on Sunday. Ethan Posick missed yep. some practice time this week yeah. with a concussion. And I don't know what that's going to mean for Sunday, but the fact that you even miss practice time 
right? That makes it tough when you're going against Aaron Donald. And if you consider that he has been double teamed more than anybody else, you're going to have to dedicate some extra resources to slowing him down. And that is a tough thing to do when you consider what the numbers have looked like and the QB hits in the last couple of weeks on Russell Wilson. Here's the other part of that. Aaron Donald and his ability to get to a quarterback gives their secondary a huge advantage, right? And so their secondary is already pretty good. You've got Jalen Ramsey back there, and you are going to get the rookie safety back, Jordan Fuller, this week. So that's going to help things out. I was looking at the numbers. They just don't allow passing touchdowns. They've only allowed nine passing touchdowns in eight games. That is the fewest in the NFL. Russell Wilson, meanwhile, 28 touchdowns. That leads the league. And so when you start talking about Aaron Donald, it's not just Russell escaping the pressure. It's how much does that change this offense? If you cannot get the running game going against the Rams, this is going to be a very long day. And for all of those people who love to see explosive plays down the field, look, I get it. And it is so fun to watch him hit Demo for 55 yards. And it is so fun to watch DK Metcalf make the catch that he does. And it would be so fun if you can control the time of possession against this Rams team and if you had a ground game because it becomes far more difficult to get any plays downfield if you don't have a threat of a run game. And so I do think that for as much as we talk about pass protection and we talk about Aaron Donald, it goes hand in hand with you better have the ability to balance out that offense a little bit more than we've seen in the last few weeks. Yeah, and getting that run game is going to be tough as Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson still on that injury list. Pete Carroll says that Chris Carson's a little bit farther along than Carlos Hyde, but still, they're probably going to go up until, you know, through this week, and they'll have to be a decision made as we get closer to game time. So that really just leaves you with DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. Obviously, they brought in Alex Collins this last week. This week, they brought in Bo Scarborough, but... Well, and you can, right, and you can mimic that with a little bit more screens, right? Yeah. And we saw that earlier in the season. We did not see that very much last week. And so you can find some other ways, whether it's straight rushing yards or it's just short yards that you can kind of go to and pick up those extra yards on the ground. That's one way to do it, right? But everything can't be a deep bomb downfield. You need something that's short or mid-range so that you've got some flexibility there when you've got pass rush coming in your face or when you need to establish a little bit something else. All right, Jen. So we are pretty much done on our time. But before we do that, I, before we end things here, I just want to get quickly your two things we need to see this Sunday to get a Seahawks victory. Oh, we have got to win the <laughs> turnover battle, right? Yes. And so in the two games that the Seahawks have lost, they have lost the turnover battle. That becomes really big. Last week, Buffalo scores 16 points off of Seahawks turnovers. You take away those 16 points, it's an entirely different Absolutely. game, particularly at the points in time that they that they happened. So you've got to win the turnover battle. And... I could go with so many other things here. <laughs> I don't know which two you're going to pick. Well, I, you know, I had the turnover battle as well because also in that other loss, the one to the Arizona, they had rushed through three interceptions there and they had two touchdowns um, off of that and they only won by three points. So it's, you know. 
Okay, so you were going to go turnover battle. Here's the other thing. I and mean, we could do so many different matchups. I want special teams to get back on track. And, and we were talking about this before we got started. And I have picked special teams fairly regularly during the course of the season, partly because they've given the Seahawks such great field position. That was not the case last week. It was the kickoff return early in the game that put the defense on their heels. There was a mistake in a return that shouldn't have been made that was brought out of the end zone that gave the Seahawks a long field. Look, I just want special teams to get back to doing what we saw them doing so that field position works in the Seahawks' favor this week. So you're saying field position, we agreed on the turnover battle. My my other um, key to victory is continue that pass rush. And so earlier I said 12 sacks in the last two games. I'm sorry, it was 10 sacks in the last two games. But if they can continue to build off of that and continue to get pressure on Jared Goff, as we as we talked about earlier, when he ha is under pressure, he looks like a completely different quarterback. So I want to go continue that pass rush. Hopefully, How many hits? Huh? How many hits or sacks? Give me some Ooh, numbers. Okay. Um, I, well, geez, seven sacks last week. So I'm going to, you know, I don't think we're going to get to high bar. Yeah. I don't think we're going <laughs> to, I know. I don't think we're going to get to seven, but I'm going to say four. I think we, I think four is a doable okay. number of All sacks. Right. I think I don't have the number in front of me for quarterback hits. I think it was 11 that we had. And so I'm going to say nine, 10 quarterback yeah, hits. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever the Seahawks do, they have another tough battle coming up after the Rams, and it's going to be a short turnaround as they play the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night. So two back-to-back -back divisional games, a lot riding in these next two weeks for where the Seahawks stand in the NFC West. We'll see what happens. Thanks for taking the time with us. Go Hawks!